Lord, we come to you now. We ask you to continue to work in our hearts. Our hearts are resonating together because we're singing the truth of Jesus and his power to save. We thank you that you will take us just as we are. But I'm so thankful you don't leave us like that. Because you take us to make us who you want us to be. We are are who we are because of what we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that nobody would come here this morning thinking that they brought something special. Lord, we can give you ourselves. But Lord, we're broken. We're messed up. But Jesus cleans us up and He makes us new and gives us new life. Work in our hearts as we continue our service now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our boys and girls be dismissed out. The junior church, let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. I got so excited I ran up here without my Bible. Let me go back and get that. Acts chapter 2, it's good to be back. I hated missing service last Sunday morning. Thankful for Billy and his great job that he did preaching the Word to all of us last week. I started listening to the service as I was sitting in the airport. I don't like to fly and travel like that on Sunday when I accepted the invitation to come speak to the youth camp last weekend. Uh, It was getting over Saturday afternoon, so I thought I'd have no problem getting back Saturday night. But with the changes because of COVID and canceling a lot of flights because of airlines, I couldn't get out Saturday night. So I'm thankful for people that can continue on the ministry here. But I want you to know you're missed, and I don't plan to make a habit of that. It just that's how it worked out. But I know the Lord used the message in your life. I went back this week, thankful for the technology to go back and listen to the recording and to hear what Billy preached to you from Acts chapter 2. Because there in Acts chapter 2, we have the, the beginnings of the new church, the beginnings of the New Testament church, the body of Christ. And Peter, as he stood up that day and he preached that message, the Bible says in verse 41, that 3,000 people were saved that day. What a day that was. I don't know about you, but I think when it comes to the Christian life, we get excited about those big days. We get excited when God does something spectacular and we see it work. We see Him work and we look back and we say, boy, wasn't that great? But I think we need to be careful as well as Christians that we don't just live for the big days. Because the Christian life isn't just about the big days. The Christian life is a daily walk with the Lord. And while the church began on a big day, verses 42 to 47 talk about how it continued. That word's probably familiar to many of you if you've spent any time here at our church, if you've been part of our uh, discipleship studies that we start with. That's the title of the book, Continue. In fact, after the service to, or at the end of the service today, we've got a certificate to give out for somebody who's just finished their book, and they're going to continue on with some more study and growing in the Word. Some of you are just starting that study. Some of you are in the middle of it. Some of you have completed it. I, I hope that you're, if you've completed it, you're praying about helping somebody else to go through that because that's how we minister to one another and how we grow as we make disciples who make disciples and Find faithful men and teach them so that they can then teach others also. 
And that's very important if we're going to continue to grow and to be the people of God that He wants us to be. God's given us some very special days here at our church. I've been thinking a lot about that as we come up in April to our fourth anniversary. I'm excited about thinking back, and I've gone back through some of my journals, gone back through some of the pictures. I was looking at a picture just the other day from 2018, so this was right before our first anniversary, and uh, we had a big day that day. I think there were 65 people here, and 25 of them were out-of-town guests that came to visit. And uh, they were the group that came to rebuild your house, Larry. And some of the men were sitting over here and over here. Of course, it wasn't as many chairs back then. We had 16 pews. And uh, the pew, that was all we had. They were donated from another church. And recently, we, last year, we donated those on to another church as we got chairs. The chairs you're sitting in are just now a year old. We put them in, I think it was the second week of February, or third week of February, a year ago. And a lot has changed, a lot more people in the chairs now than there were even a year ago. We're thankful for that, thankful for what God's doing. But as we look back, it's fun to reminisce and think about those special times. As I get a little bit older, and I know you're thinking, some of you, he's not old. And then there's teens here who think I'm old, old. So I'm kind of in that happy middle right now, not middle age, but young and... and, uh, You know, I get it from both ends, although when I put this coat on this morning, this coat is like 16 years old, so that's pretty good. I got a coat that's 16 years old. This is my John the Baptist coat. It's made out of 100% camel hair. So uh, I I got this when I was in college. Aren't you proud of me that I'm still wearing this that I got in college? I reached deep in the closet this morning and pulled it out and like, hey, it still fits. doesn't look too worse for the wear, and I think I can do this today. So I didn't eat any grasshoppers for breakfast, and I don't think that's what Shandy made for lunch. But, uh, you know, at least wear camel hair in honor of John the Baptist today. And it's, I mean, this week, next week, we got some cool weather, but before long, you know Houston, it's going to be warming up around here, and so these coats are kind of warm, so you can't wear them all year round. So I figured I'd get it out. But we love looking back at things and remembering special times, special days. And as a young man in the ministry, I've had the privilege to sit with many older men and women who have gone on before serving the Lord and to hear them tell the stories of the great days, God moving in special ways. This past week, I had a special privilege on Monday. Billy went with me, went up and met with my first, the man who first took a a chance on me to hire me in the ministry. Brother Clayton, and he gave me his library this week. That was special. So all of his books that he's collected from all of his ministry, they're now sitting in boxes in the office, and one of the men here is going to make some bookshelves for him, and we're going to get them out there so that people can be able to use them and have access to those. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness. He wants to be able to come back soon and preach again here. I'd like him to. I think he's 87 now, and uh, thankful for his faithfulness and we would have had him a little sooner right now. Pray for him and his wife. His wife's having some health issues, and they're moving up to Dallas to be close to their daughter so she can help with that. But he said, as soon as we get settled in, brother, I'd like to come back down and, 
and preach. So we're going to have him here, hopefully, before too many more months go by. And uh, in the Lord's will. Because I think it's important to give honor to him. Honor is due. It's important to know where we come from a little bit. And even as folks get older and physically are a little bit weaker, uh, God can still use them and is still using them to do wonderful things. But I had the privilege to sit around and hear some of his wonderful stories and, and of God moving in powerful ways. And, and I remember one day talking with Brother Clayton. I said, you know, I love hearing the stories about what God did back then. But I believe God can still work today. And Brother Clayton said, I do too, brother. And that's one of the things I loved about him. He didn't just live in the past. He was looking ahead. Can we say it? He was going forward. Still going forward. And I think if we're going to be a, a church, if we're going to be people, we can't just live in the past memory of great days gone by. We've got to be looking forward to continue to live as God wants us to live. And while you're going to hear a challenge this morning from God's Word that may sound like a very corporate, kind of church-wide, here's where we're going kind of challenge, I want you to understand a church is a body that's made up of lots of body parts. It's a family that's made up of lots of members. And if we're going to do anything corporately as a church, we've got to get serious about ourselves as individuals in our own walk with God. So this morning, I think this is really one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament as to the church in its very simple and beginning form that we can learn so much from as a church and as individuals. So I want you to follow along with me. Begin reading in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, And they, these are all the believers, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Read that last phrase with me. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. A great church is not just a church that has a great day. A great church is a church that continues. Here in this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice, first of all, four things that the Bible says they continued steadfastly in. To continue steadfastly is with great devotion, with great attention to, with great focus upon. They gave great attention to these things. And he gives us four areas. The first one we see here is they continued in doctrine. Doctrine. He he specifies here the apostles' doctrine. And we could just stop here and preach a whole message on Bible doctrine. But I want you to get the gist of this whole passage here. 
But I want to highlight a couple things that we know for sure that they would have continued in in the apostles' doctrine. First of all, they continued in the doctrine of salvation. These people had just received Christ as Savior. 3,000 of them. Remember, there were 120 there in Acts chapter 1. Now you've added 3,000 more, and now they're adding daily to the church. All of a sudden, really overnight, the church has just exploded in size. And often when big exciting times happen, you know it, you've had a big birthday party or something at your house, and it just you look after and it's like just your house, something blew up in it, and there's just mess everywhere, and how do we clean up? And it's like, oh, what do we do now? Well, think about, spiritually speaking, if 3,000 people got saved at Arise Baptist Church, think of all the discipleship that would be required. Think just of how much water that would require to baptize all those people. Now, I've been told that there outside of Jerusalem, there was a place with all these little pools and stuff there in the rocks. And so many Bible scholars think that after those people were saved, they were baptizing all over the the hillside there in these various pools of water. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, you think about how long that line would be, how how much time it would take to baptize 3,000 people. That was a lot of people to baptize. Pretty incredible. And then how do you bring all those 3,000? Imagine that new members class. I mean, we're getting ready to have our starting point class. It'll probably start up here in April again in a couple months. And some of you are new to our church. and Maybe you're wanting to learn more about our church. It'd be a great place for you to come and to connect and get to know more about us and what we believe and why we believe it and where we're heading. And go not just from listening on Sunday mornings, but say, how can I be connected and be a part of this church? We'd love to have you be a part of that. But imagine this church with 3,000 new people. How did they do it? Imagine a church today, if all of a sudden they added 3,000 people overnight, we'd have to go into an immediate building program. But they didn't. It's interesting. What did they do? See, this church couldn't just be about the big day. Even though everybody loves the big day, it was about continuing. They continued steadfastly in doctrine. Notice what the Bible says in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have, here's our word, continued with us. Perhaps you're not continuing because you're not really with the Lord. They went out from us because they were not of us. Make your salvation sure. You say you can lose your salvation. No, you can't lose it if you've really got it. There are a lot of people that kind of dabble in and out and they kind of walk close and back. And In fact, I think Hebrews talks about people that everyone else thought they were saved, but they really weren't. Hebrews chapter 6. People say, how, how? it almost looks like they lost their salvation. They didn't lose it. They didn't have it in the first place. It says, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. God knows who's in and God knows who's out. And can I just say this morning, you may be a member of Arise Baptist Church, but if you don't have Christ, you're not of us. But we'd like you to be. 
Jesus died so you could be saved. Don't let your membership or your past baptism or your past profession get in the way of you truly trusting in Christ as your Savior. Don't let what other people think of you or people say, well, they're going to wonder, well, I mean, what's wrong with that guy? I mean, what's wrong with her? It's the same thing that's wrong with all of us. We're sinners. And the devil loves to use those kind of things to keep people from getting to the Lord. Say, what are people going to say? What are people what are people going to do? They'll rejoice, right? They'll get excited and say, praise the Lord. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The apostle Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because... When ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When you hear the word of God, do you receive it as truth? That means it's settled. That means it doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, in the Bible, in John chapter 1, the Bible even refers to Jesus Christ as the Word. So as we re read God's written Word, it is really just the person and work of Jesus Christ, the character and nature of our God, that which He wants to communicate to us, it is put to us on written Word and written form. When you hear the Word of God, do you receive it as truth? Or is this just, well, that's another option to consider. I'll take that under advisement. I need to go compare that with a few other books. Let me, well, you don't understand, Pastor, how I grew up. I hear what you're saying. See, we tend to compare it to our personal experience, to our, our past uh, life happenings. We compare it to maybe something someone told us one time. I can't tell you the number of times, and I'm sure some of you have had the same experience. You're trying to share Christ with someone, show them the Word of God, and they say, well, I heard this one time, and they go off and tell you this whole crazy... And you're like, that's not even in the Bible. That doesn't even make sense. Why? Because they don't view this as the Word of truth. But I dare say there are sometimes, even as believers, we don't treat this like it's truth, like it's the Word of God. The reason this church was successful, the reason God used it, the reason we're here today as descendants from that early church is because they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That requires reading, requires study, it requires time and effort. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul told Timothy this in 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Our book, the little continue Bible study that we go through, pretty much the whole thing is just a basic Bible doctrines book teaching you truth so you know how to live. And even if you're coming to our church and you say, well, I know a lot of that stuff, I would encourage you to be a part of that as well because then you have a, a good format that you can take and share with somebody else. Doctrine. Continue in doctrine. There were many reasons that people come to church. There are many reasons that people stay in church. God uses us as His ambassadors to preach the gospel. 
But we also have a responsibility based on the Great Commission to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The church has continued throughout the ages because people were faithful to preach the gospel, yes, and they were faithful to continue in doctrine. That's the teaching. That's the truth of God's Word. If we're going to be a church that continues steadfastly, we must continue in doctrine. To continue steadfastly means you're willing to persevere through difficulty. To continue when it's not easy. When you've got a lot of other things coming at you. Continue in the truth. Run back to the truth. Hold on to the truth. Stand strong. Continue to preach. Teach the truth. Even when it feels like the whole world is against the truth. It's the Word of God and it never changes. If you do not learn and obey the truth, this doctrine then you will not continue. If we as a church do not teach others, our children, our our teens, new believers, each one leading one in their walk with the Lord with Christ, we will not continue. God blessed this early church because they continued in doctrine. Number two here, it says they continued in fellowship. Fellowship. To continue in fellowship means to continue in close association or communion or close relationship with others. Requires us to be together, to spend time together, to get to know one another. I'll expand on this a little bit more a little later in the message. A church is made up of people that work together and that enjoy being with one another. It means i got to put aside my personal agendas at times. Am I here just to get something for me or am I here to give and to serve others? This is very important though when it comes to fellowship. And I think it's instructive that fellowship is the second thing in this list. Because without right doctrine, there can never be true fellowship. How can two walk together except they be agreed? The the Word of God, this truth, must be our foundation for everything we do. Some people wonder, well, why don't you just fellowship with everybody? Well, we fellowship around the truth. We fellowship around the person and work of Jesus Christ, of what He's done and what He's doing in us. And that brings great opportunities for fellowship. A lot of times people try to fellowship around other stuff, right? Who their favorite sports team is, you know, what part of town they live in, or maybe where they work, you know, where their kids all go to school. Those things come and go. Those things can change. The truth doesn't change. Fellowship, true fellowship, comes through as Ephesians chapter 3, I think it is, talks about, In the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. It's through that unity that comes in the Spirit, through the bond of Christ. But we must not neglect fellowship. We must continue steadfastly in it. And sometimes fellowship is hard. 
Sometimes you're saying, I'm too tired to fellowship. <laughs> I, I hit that point sometimes, so you need to rest. But when you come in to fellowship and to fellowship and point people to Christ and encourage one another, you've got to come in with intentionality. Not just say, well, I'm going to come in and kind of, I showed up at church, check the box. You know, I served in my place at church, check the box. Now let me just leave from here. No, look for who you can encourage, who you can fellowship with. My pastor growing up used to say fellowship is very simply just two fellows in the same ship. <laughs> but two fellows in the same ship, if they're not going the same direction, it's going to be pretty tough if they're fighting over who steers the ship. Let's let the Lord steer the ship and let's get in His ship and get going where He wants us to go and fellowship together based on the truth of God's Word. Fellowship. Continue in fellowship. Number three, it says they continued in breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. Now, I think this kind of continues on from this idea of fellowship. These seem to just relate one to another. You say breaking of bread. Well, think about it. In that day... It was before sliced bread. And so somebody would bring the loaf of bread and they'd break off a piece for each person to enjoy. So one person provided the loaf. Everybody enjoyed fellowshipping together. They all ate together. They enjoyed ministering to one another that way. And while we may not, we, we have sliced bread now. You can have your piece and I'll have mine. I think the idea here is they were, they were sharing with one another. They were ministering to one another. They cared about the needs of the people around them. They weren't just here saying, I got mine and let me keep it all to myself. No, here, you have a need. Here, you take some. You take some. You, you can have some of this. I've got enough to share. They broke bread. It's also, again, meant they were together. Together. And then it says they continued in prayer. Continued in prayer. I think prayer is one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines and opportunities that we have as Christians. Can you go back with me in your mind, if you can, back to the life of Christ? How many times He left the people, He left His disciples, He, he, he left all of those things and He went away by Himself to pray? He often did that after the big days, right? He'd feed all these people. Then he had to get alone to pray. Get alone to talk to God. And when he was alone praying, sometimes his disciples didn't like that very much. Remember the one time they left him praying and they got on the ship and headed across and they ended up in a big storm, didn't they? I think of another time Jesus invited his disciples to pray with him and they couldn't do it even one hour, the Bible says. Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was getting ready to be crucified. He knew what was going to happen. His disciples didn't really understand. But Jesus said, won't you watch and pray with me? And they fell asleep. I've fallen asleep praying. You probably have too. You say, I fall asleep in church and I'm not even praying. Oh, maybe I, you were praying. That's what it was. That's what I'll assume now when I see you nodding like this. It's because you're just praying there and agreeing in your seat. Some of you have a great prayer life. Let me just say that. 
Prayer takes work, doesn't it? It takes planning. It takes preparation. Often it takes the work to put together a list and who I'm praying for and to check up on those needs and to know how to pray specifically. We ought to be praying for physical needs and spiritual needs and the, those who are unsaved around us. The Bible tells us to pray for our rulers, those who are in authority over us. Prayer takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes we feel like, well, if I'm here praying, I'm not really doing anything. No, that's probably the best thing you could be doing. Because if you're out there running around, you'll probably mess it up. Get on your knees and pray. And then when God directs you what to do, you can go do what He tells you to do, but don't neglect prayer. This church became a great church because it continued in prayer. Notice what happened, though, in verse 43, back in Acts chapter, 40, or Acts chapter 2. See, as this church continued steadfastly in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayer, verse 43 tells us what happened. It says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. See, it wasn't even just through the 3,000 being saved that got everybody excited. It was as they continued in the steadfast walk with God every day that God brought the presence of His Spirit in and on them and among them. They had this holy awe, this reverence, fear came upon every soul. Because you've been there, I've been there. You can hide out in a big crowd. You can hide out and you can even pretend to be a part. But those who continue, they're the ones that really see the work happen in their life. I mean, I've been there, you've been there. And I love being in those special events and times when God is moving and God's working. But how many people have that high moment and then they go right out and live the same way they were living before they even got there? They might even come and confess their sin, might even cried, they might have done a lot of things. What was wrong? They didn't continue. They didn't continue. See, if we will continue in the truth, if we will continue in prayer, if we will continue in fellowship, continue in breaking of bread, I, think, I believe then we will truly see God at work in bringing that reverence and awe, that fear of God that causes us to say, like Isaiah did, Woe is me, woe is me for I am a man undone. But as he came to the end of that, then Isaiah said, Hear my Lord. Send me. Send me. The Bible tells us wonders and signs were done by the apostles. God had given them special ability to do special things that I believe now God has completed His Word for us. We have all the truth right here. doesn't mean God never does a miracle. doesn't mean God never does an amazing thing. But we may not see the same wonders and signs that the apostles were doing today. And that's okay. It doesn't mean God's not working today. We have the completed Word of God. They didn't. But the fear came upon every soul. See, when we are faithful to continue steadfastly in what God has commanded us to do, we can and should experience the presence of God in our midst. It's not something we can just stir up on Sunday morning. It's something that we must continue in every day. We must not neglect doctrine. We must not neglect fellowship. We must not neglect breaking bread together. We must not neglect to pray. These are things that we must be doing. 
But I want you to notice next here in this passage because there are things we're to be doing, but he also talks about our attitude and the way in which we do those to others. See, we are to continue steadfastly, but I'd like to say, number two, we must continue compassionately. Compassionately. We can do right. Like 1 Corinthians 13 says, I, I can speak with the you know, tongues of men and angels, but if I don't have charity, it's just like noise. Notice how they treated one another. Verses 44 and 45, it says, and all that believed were together. They invested time in one another. This isn't just box-checking Christianity. Not just, well, I did all these things, therefore... No, they, they were together. So what's that look like? We're just together. Talk to them on the phone. Go over to their house. Enjoy spending time at church. Yeah, we got a schedule, but we're not too much on a schedule. It's okay. We're just together. They were together, and they had all things common. They shared. This is not the Bible's endorsement of communism. Hey, what's mine is yours. No, no. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. That's what we like, right? That's the way some marriages try to work and it doesn't work very well. No, they had all things common. And we know this was not communism because Peter himself, even in a later passage when he was dealing with Ananias and Sapphira, they were not condemned because they owned property. They were not condemned for selling their property and keeping some of the money for themselves. They were com condemned because they lied about it. Right? They pretended they were giving all when really they were keeping some back. It's okay to keep some and take care of your family. It's okay to provide for your needs. We should not be full of jealousy and covetousness when we drive into the parking lot on Sunday morning and say, well, I wish I was driving that. Or when we get invited to somebody's house, boy, I wish I lived here. Well, if I had all this, it'd be easier. Hey, church, you should just give to me. Then I would have all that. That's the wrong attitude. It's not about coming to see what I can get. I'm here to see how I can give because God has given so much. To me, that being said, they looked out for the needs of others around them in their church body. They had all things, they were together, and they had all things common. It says here, as it continues on, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So they shared their goods with others as there were needs. I was, I saw this in a very visible way this week. I had a, a visit with one individual in our church who's having some physical difficulties. And they shared a particular need with me of something they weren't able to take care of themselves. So I called one of our deacons and one of our other men said, can you go help with this need? Sure, Pastor, we'd love to. They went over, they fixed what needed to be fixed, they put it back together, and now they're able to function a lot better in their house because of that simple thing. That's meeting needs 
We had some new babies born in the last month. Got one of them here this morning. Allison's down front. Well, she's halfway up to the front. One of these days, maybe she'll be in the front. I don't know. She's close to the front. Good to have Marco and Mallory here. And I know that some of you ladies made meals and took it over to them when there was a need. Now, the way our church is, sometimes you have to tell them, stop for a while because I have so much. I have more than I need and wait. And that's a good problem to have. Generally, I don't think that we're struggling to find somebody that wants to help. Often it's like, hey, we've got enough now. Let's go help somebody else. That's the way it should be. See, there are needs all around us. Part of being a church is learning to minister to one another in those needs. But you know, it takes time to develop that trust, doesn't it? I think a lot of people are so used to being self-sufficient, figuring out everything on their own, doing their own thing their own way. We're not even sure we know how to share our needs with anybody else. Because we're afraid somebody's going to laugh. Somebody's going to say, what's wrong with you? Because that's how they did it in high school, right? Junior high. Most of us are still in junior high in the way we treat one another. But that's not the way God wants us to be treating one another. We don't make fun of somebody else because they have a need. I was talking with another man in our church this week. We were talking about being kind and considerate of people in their struggles, in their past hurts. I said, if somebody has a bruise on their leg, it's, it's there. There's nothing you can do about that. It's just there. So, but you need to be aware of it and be careful about it. So, so if Brother Matt has a bruise on his arm and I bang him on the arm, he goes, oh, I had a bruise. If I didn't know about it, I'm sorry. But I shouldn't say, well, what's your problem for having a bruise on your arm? No. Say, I'm sorry, I'll be careful, and then I won't come up and whack him in the arm again. When I was in college playing basketball, um, you know, you're real sweaty in your jersey and stuff, and I'd just be dripping, dripping buckets of sweat, you know, and just come off the court. And there was this one guy, he meant well, but he would come up to me and he'd say, great job, and he'd slap me with his open hand on the back, right in the middle of my back. It just hurt, you know, your wet jersey on a wet back and just getting slapped. And he would do that every week. I'd say, stop. And every week he'd go, yeah, great job. So after about three weeks of this, great job. I turned around and I said, thanks. And I just punched him in the chest. <laughs> He's like, why'd you do that? I said, it hurts. <laughs> stop. <laughs> right? And sometimes that's how we treat the Christian life, right? We're just running around doing our thing. Hey, you know, and we're not considerate of others. And then we're surprised when someone turns around and punches us back. Listen, if we're going to continue, we've got to do it compassionately. That's hard. It's scary for some. <laughs> it's easier for us to hide behind our rules and regulations, right? Our policies and procedures. The way we've always done it. People come in and we say, well, you don't quite look like us. Or you've got a problem I haven't dealt with before. In the last four years, if I was only dealing with problems that I had an understanding of how to deal with, yeah, we'd be in a very different place. But I don't claim to have all the answers. I just know the one who does. And I can take you to the truth of God's Word and we can find the answers together. And I'm convinced that God will lead us and direct us as we dig into His Word. But we must be compassionate and love one another. 
I want you to notice thirdly this morning, we've talked about a church that continues steadfastly and compassionately. I want you to see a church also must continue constantly. Constantly. You say, why are you... Are you trying to split hairs here? No, I just want you to see. I think there's a bit of a contrast because in 42, he says, and they continued steadfastly. Verses 44 and 45, I think we see their compassion as they cared for one another. But in verse 46, it says, and they continuing daily. Daily. So this wasn't just something that happened on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or at 10.30. This wasn't just something, all right, when I'm around the brethren, I need to act a certain way. This was something they continued in daily or constantly. What did they continue daily in? Well, it's really when you read through these, you see a lot of what's already happening in the steadfast and the compassion. It's just something they were doing all the time. It says they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. So they were gathering together. They were worshiping God together. They were having all things common. It says they broke bread from house to house. They're sharing meals together. They did eat their meat with gladness. And here we see this unity again, singleness of heart. They were one accord in the temple and they were in singleness of heart in their homes. Everywhere they went, they were unified around the truth. And there are so many times, right? Even as people today in our church, we can be guilty of this. We all feel together here, but outside of here, I hope there's not people that you're avoiding when you see them in the grocery store. I'll put on my happy church face at church, but outside of here... No, this continuing was something they did constantly, daily. Now, boy, that's where the rubber meets the road for a lot of us, isn't it? Because we know, a lot of us know how to put on our happy church face on Sunday. But are we living it out constantly, daily at home? They were with one accord in the temple. They were breaking bread with one another. They were in each other's houses. They were eating their meat with gladness. There's a joy with singleness of heart. And it says in the first part of 47, praising God. They praised God. This morning we talked a lot about what you're supposed to do, right? Continue, steadfast. Be compassionate. But I want you to notice the last point this morning. Because if you miss this one, you'll miss the whole message, really. Because a church that continues is not a church that continues in its own strength. It's not a church that just tries really hard. But we ought to try hard. We ought to do our best. A church that continues is a church that understands that all the blessing comes from God. The success comes from Him. That's the emphasis here in the second part of verse 47. Notice he says, after praising God, then he says, and having favor with all the people. 
I believe this would mean saved and unsaved people. God gave them favor in their community to be able to continue to live as He wanted them to live. You know, when God gives us opportunities to share Christ with unsaved people, God's giving us favor with all the people. When God gives us the freedom to be able to meet and to worship Him openly, that's God giving us favor. There are many Christians in many parts of the world that can't do what we're doing this morning. God's given us a special favor. He's shown us a special blessing. What are we doing with the favor that God shows us? Are we just squandering it, wasting it? How many times do, have you read or maybe you've heard of, we heard some great stories from our missionaries, the Pridgens, a couple weeks ago of God working and the gospel being spread. I love what he said happened over there when they shut everything down from COVID. He said there was nothing else to do, so we just went out soul winning. Perhaps maybe we waste the favor of God because we take it to consume it upon our own desires and lusts rather than using the opportunities, using the tools, using the abilities that God has given us for His glory to fulfill His purpose. We are nothing without Him. Nothing means nothing, zero, empty. Sometimes I say, well, are you talking about me? I'm something. No, I'm nothing. He's everything. The reason you're struggling is you're trying to do it all on your own, but you're nothing. The reason I get frustrated is because I think I ought to be something. Pastor Clayton used to tell me a story about an old preacher friend of his who would say, if what you say makes me offended, there's a problem with me. He said, why? Why is that? He said, well, because I'm supposed to be dead to sin, and dead to the flesh. He said, you can't hurt something that's dead. It's already dead. When you're hurt, and people do hurt you, and people hurt me. Probably all of us would say, I've been hurt deeply, some way or another. But that's something we can give to God. Because nobody's been hurt like he's been hurt. And he promises to take all that hurt and all that pain. That, the verses in Hebrews I read at the very beginning this morning. We have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points like as we are tempted, yet without sin. They, they tried to hurt Jesus too. They killed his body. The Bible says don't fear those who can kill the body. Because if your soul is in Christ, it is secure forevermore. God gave favor among those who were unsaved. He blessed them and He continued to build His church through the salvation of souls. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The early church continued steadfastly, compassionately, and constantly. And they saw God's continued blessing fall on them. God gave them favor. God saved people. God grew His church. 
Jesus said it clear back in the book of Matthew. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are not church builders. He is the church builder. Without Him, we can do nothing. I've never saved anybody in my life from their sin, but Jesus wants to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord can add to the church daily such as should be saved, but He's looking for some men and women, some boys and girls who will be faithful to continue constantly, to continue compassionately, to continue steadfastly, and then give all the glory to Him because He's the one that brings the blessing. As we close this morning, I just want to ask you a couple questions for your own personal thought and consideration. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you just somebody who's here looking and observing? Or have you trusted in Him? Have you confessed your sin to Him? Jesus Christ died for you. And He offers you His salvation. It's a gift. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you're saved here this morning, how are you doing when it comes to continuing? If you're like me, and you say, I'm, I'm going to look honestly at these things, you're probably going to find some areas. Well, I've been doing pretty good, but... Hmm. Yeah, I have some things I need to work on. You know, at least I'm doing my best, but as far as continuing daily, constantly, not there yet. It's okay. You've got to get honest with yourself and with God. I like what 1 John chapter 1 says. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, right? Stop lying to yourself. <laughs> Stop pretending to yourself and everybody else that you're better than you really are. And get honest with God. Get honest with yourself. Because 1 John 1, 9 is right there. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sin to God. Ask God for the strength. We need His blessing. And let's press forward. Let's continue for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls to see His church be built and grown throughout this world. God's doing it. Let's be a part. Let's bow for prayer. Actually, stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. We know that you're here. Your spirit dwells within us as believers. Take your word now and drive it deep into us. And may we respond now in obedience to your truth. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name.